guys, it is Amanda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares back for our second segment. And we have a sponsor for this second half, and that is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. If you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, not sure where to start, then definitely give her a call. She's be more than happy to answer any questions you guys have. Um, her number is 503 409 4389 and continue to pray for her you guys she is still currently in her own battle with breast cancer right now so continue those prayers please they are much needed and appreciated so you always like it when i dig up something to talk about i love his shocking information or shocking facts this is a very intriguing article it's it's out of the june 28th 2021 time magazine okay so Reputable magazine about roughly two years ago. Um, Kathy and I were chuckling about the very first sentence in this article. I think you'll understand why here in a second. So the article is called A New Hope for Healthcare. Okay. And then the subtitle The Pandemic Revealed the Fissions in Our Current System. Now is our chance to mend them. Mm-hmm. Intriguing topic. Yes, right? that is. <laughs> Uh, so the first sentence says, and again, realize this article was written, but then the guy that wrote it is a national award-winning essayist and journalist. Okay. So this isn't really a journalism thing. It's more of an essay. Right. But it's a really well-thought-out essay. Okay. And his first sentence says, Americans are emerging. Again, this is June 28th, 2021. Okay. <laughs> Americans are emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic like survivors of a wildfire, <laughs> surveying an unfamiliar landscape. That's an ouch on two levels for people in this area. Because <laughs> right. we had the pandemic and, and the wildfire. The fire. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Oh, and then and the ice storm. And the ice storm. Let's not forget that. So we, all the same we had it all. We, we had did. It all. So I We're thought his apart. comparison was very appropriate. He says, we take stock of what's left. Referencing that wildfire, right? right? We take stock of what's left. We are forced to rebuild, but we need to not simply restore what was taken in a hollow echo of what we knew before. Mm-hmm. We can make health care and the infrastructure that supports it better, stronger, more resilient. To do that, we need to learn at great cost over the past 15 months of what Merrick calls. What the heck? What the heck? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. And I like this first point. He says, we must value all stakeholders in the system, not just the insurance executives and the hospital CEOs. Right. But the patients, the disabled people, the older adults, the low-income people, people of color who have faced historic health care discrimination, and health care workers and supporters from home health aides to hospital registers. Mm-hmm. So let's get everybody's opinion. Yeah. This is what Mary Clark was talking about in the first half of the show. Yeah. Right? Bring all these voices into the conversation. Because they matter. They matter. Mm-hmm. So a little later he says, underrepresented in these conversations are those who knew the system at its worst like ambulance crews making minimum wage, mm-hmm. nurses in underfunded community health clinics, and uninsured patients who know what it's like to have to, who have their insulin dose 
stretched in half to make it to the next paycheck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those are the people in the conversation. Right. Um, Who firsthand are dealing with it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, and there's a, a lot to the article, but a little bit later, he makes a very interesting comparison. Mayor Clark and I might remember this historically. This may be news to you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> well, you called me elderly a few weeks ago, so. <laughs> it was my mistake. <laughs> it was cute watching you backpedal. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, foot in mouth. <laughs> Experienced. Well, I, <laughs> Experienced, yeah. So, and in, in, in what this references, even I am not old enough to remember, but I do remember it from the history books. <laughs> so, post-World War II... Japan slowly began to re, uh, rebuild its economic recovery and manufacturing began to blossom. So we bomb the crap out of Japan. Mm -hmm. They finally surrender, but then they've got to rebuild their economy. Right. Right. So at Toyota introduced what's called the Andon Cord. Had you heard that phrase before? I had. Kathy? Okay. It's literally a cord. Although I was not there at the time. No. <laughs> just to clarify. I'm just, like, are you aging just, her? Just for clarification, <laughs> neither Kathy or I remember the Andon cord, literally remember it. <laughs> so it's a cord that literally anyone in the production line could pull to pause production to address a safety or quality issue. Oh, okay. So think about this massive Toyota plant that's building cars. Mm -hmm. And you've got people all along the production system. And someone says, oh, we have a safety problem, and they pull this cord. Right, and it just stops everything? Right. Wow. So the prospect of allowing anyone to bring a multi-million dollar process to a halt may sound wild. Uh, I agree, yeah. A little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> a little bit wild, right? Because what if someone just gets startled and they pull that and shut down production of all things? You, you, you have empowered every single person at the plant... To shut the plant down. Yeah. And you have empowered every single person as being a responsible party mm. for safety in that plant. Yes. All of a sudden now everybody has a say-so and they have a power to actually act on mm -hmm. safety issues. And so the, everybody's on par rather than, well, that's not in my pay grade, so I'm just going to let it go. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. extremely powerful. Yeah, yeah. that is. So it says, uh, it turned out to be highly effective, making everyone into an experienced stakeholder. Mm -hmm. Right. No matter the nature of the task that was being performed. The Andon played a role in the culture turnaround of this automobile manufacturing plant in Fremont, California. Oh. Which had a toxic and unproductive work environment until the mid-1980s. When Toyotas and GMC began jointly operating using that manufacturing process. Okay. So two pretty major companies yeah. take over this toxic environment of this plant in California and put that system into place. Okay. Right? Empowering workers with the end on proved successful in improving morale and increasing buy-in. Mm -hmm. The U.S. healthcare system as a whole needs a metaphoric end on cord. Yeah. What are your thoughts here, Kathy? I think that there's incredible power in that thought that any of us at any time are our own personal experts about who and what we are. And to have a, a mindset shift 
into being personally responsible and empowered to act upon our individual and family health would strengthen our health services rather than weaken them. When we've had this notion of authorities or a separation of responsibility, people have either through active or passive decision-making given up their autonomy in healthcare decisions. I've seen this in other areas of life as well. We could talk about the current, uh, the election that just passed and the voter turnout, but we shall not go there right now. (laughs) But it's that same notion that someone else is responsible versus I am not only responsible, I am empowered to act in a way that makes a difference for my outcomes and the outcomes possibly of people around me. That is the power sharing that we've been talking about in so many different sectors of our community and our society and our power structures. And that leveling of power, not to the least common denominator, but raising everybody up to a fully invested decision maker is huge. And I know a lot of healthcare providers who would just salivate at the notion that their patients took personal responsibility and pride Mm -hmm. in the quality of their life and their health and their outcomes. Well, you've heard Brenda say before that no one cares about your health care as much as you do, right? right? Yeah. Well, and I think when you have a voice in something like that, it in, in anything, whether it's the, the car line or your health and all of that, it, um, it puts value behind it also. Absolutely. It puts value, a lot of value. It, it makes you care about it more. It makes you show up for it more. It, it does a lot. It's a ripple effect of many things. Yeah. In the positive direction. Yeah. Well, he goes on in here. And he says, uh, the point is, the real expert is not always the foreman or the team lead, the prestigious surgeon, or the person with the broad, big picture view. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's someone on the assembly line, or it's the hospital orderly who cleans rooms between patients. A physical plant worker can have a sharp idea for more safely sealed doors, mm-hmm. and in turn, Reading about right-to-repair laws can fight to get sidelined ventilators up and running. Mm -hmm. Repairing America's health care system requires the humility humility (laughs) to recognize expertise no longer matters where it comes from and the ability to integrate stakeholders into the process as early as possible. If we truly want everyone in the United States to have access to high-quality, safe, equitable, compassionate health care, we must stop to value everyone who's embedded in the system. Mm -hmm. And that's actually all of us. We are all embedded in, quote-unquote, the system as a consumer, as a participant in our own health, in our own direction for healthy living within our communities. Mm -hmm. And... When we talk about diversity, uh, we've talked about power sharing in many, many other forums. In this particular setting, because there's been a industrialization, a uh, monetization of the healthcare system, and then the pressures to yield to those power brokers, if you will, in how we deliver and receive health, what we call health care, 
rather than wellness. And I love the the change of mindset to embracing the holistic of uh, the whole of our human, you know, mind, body, and spirit, and recognizing that one is not isolated from the other. Recently, I had a conversation with uh, some uh, congressional. Uh, offices in our state talking about some of the policies in D.C., and one of the issues we right now have is the whole system of coding for billing in all of our healthcare systems, and it isolates down to the nanopenny how much can be spent on service X, service Y, and service Z, and they do it in such um, separated silos. And I said, look, if a person needs mental health care and they need addiction um, treatment and they need you know, something else to go with it, that's one human being. Why are they being billed and tracked as three separate entities? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Right. It's one holistic human being, and we've got to get back to that to be able to be effective in delivering and receiving. Remember, there's two parts of this. There's the deliverer and the receiver of healthcare, and the and as an active participant, that's when we can actually have a healthier, you know, individuals and society. In my humble opinion. And we, I also know that um, the mayor of Albany, um, Alex Johnson, he, in his professional life, does uh, Medicare insurance. And, they said, and one of the congressional people popped off with, well, you know, Medicare is so complicated. I don't know how to fix it. And he goes, I can tell you right now. And here's the four points. And they tried to blow him off. And, we, and all of us in the room who know Mayor Johnson, Good we luck. said, Good luck. listen <laughs> to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And we made them be quiet and listen to what he had to say. Yeah. And because he's absolutely spot on. Systems have been created. We, as individuals, as consumers, as participants, we're not just receiving, we are participants, need to push for and empower everybody, just as the end on cord, to take meaningful action in our own lives for wellness for us and our families and our communities. And it happens locally, and that's why I love serving at the local level. Mm-hmm. We get things done. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's an amazing um, comparison that I read recently. Uh, it's, it's a book that was written back in the 60s, and the, it's a gentleman at Berkeley. It's a philosophy book, but it's talking about the creation of movements. And he goes through, good or bad, you've got... Christ, which is a movement, and you got Hitler, which is a movement, good and bad, but he just says, what creates movements? So it was a very interesting book for me to read with what appears to be a kicking cancer movement. Right. <laughs> you know? um, but he did a great analogy about the French Revolution, and I think it ties into what we're talking about. So the French had sat and watched as the colonies broke away from England. In fact, people don't realize that Benjamin Franklin wasn't a president, but he's very revered. He was the ambassador that went over to France to get their help in this fight. Mm -hmm. And he convinced France to come help, mostly because France didn't like England. But but they came over and helped, and we won. And now all the the people back in France are going, well, wait a minute. If these colonists can stand up to England and win, maybe we could stand up to the Louis who run France. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that... 
the Louis and at that time the Catholic Church were so intertwined that if you actually stood up, you'd probably be beheaded and killed. So they found those little fissions, those little cracks in the French society, and they uh, exploited them. Okay. And that's really how the French Revolution occurred, is they found there was a lot of egotistical things that the Louis believed in, you know. And so they played upon that, and they created a revolution. Yeah. And I think, like Mary Clark says, it's that little things that we have. We are all part of the solution to this healthcare crisis. And we sat here for 15 months of what the heck, doing what we were told to do. Even if it didn't make any sense to do it, we were told to do it. Well, now we're at a point that we all can actually be part of this and on court to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So I thought the article was amazing to bring in and talk yeah, about. Yeah, that is. That was great. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to something as I, as a child of the 60s, one of the big uh, mantras from that time period that I still live by is be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yes. And it's a very empowering uh, way to live and a way to see problem solving and uh, building community. Mm-hmm. Which is why if anyone goes to find our legal name with the state of Oregon when I formed this nonprofit, our legal name is We Are the Solution. Oh, I like that. We are. The, oh, and that's on your shirt. Kicking Cancer is our DBA. It's the one that's most known. But our legal name is We Are the Solution. I like that. So right to what you were just talking about. Yeah. And there we go. A meeting of the minds. Yeah. <laughs> Once again. Once again. Well, the last story I want to bring you in our last few minutes <clears throat> ties into our timeline really well. It also ties in really well the fact that uh, the mayor of Kaiser is here. A spot came open on our board of directors, mm-hmm. and Claire Duran's name was submitted as a person to add to the board. Yeah. I did want someone younger on the board to give us a variety of ages weighing on this discussion. Right. Claire's in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> She's For those that, person, you you know her. I do. You know yeah. her. Yeah, she is third generation at Classic Homes, mm-hmm. and that's going to tie into the story. Oh, okay. Okay. What I what I've tried to discover over the time is, you know, what's that person's why? Mm-hmm. Why why are they trying to help me with what we're doing? Yeah. So I finally asked Claire what her why was. I'm going to read you her why. Okay. I'm going to try to read you her oh, why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Classic Homes was actually founded by her grandmother. Her grandmother's name was Sue Dawn Duran. Okay. Sue and her husband founded Classic Homes. They were building all these classic homes throughout Kaiser. Kyle Duran, who's on the city council there in Kaiser, he comes in and did some remodeling on the homes that his parents had built. Okay. And eventually, they combine the two, so now you can do the building or the remodeling all Remodeled as one. Remodeled by Classic Homes. That's how they formed it. I love that. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So, mom and what dad cool built... To... That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, they built these Classic Homes, and then Kyle began to remodel them, and he said, well, let's just make it one company. I like that. So That's two family businesses merged into <clears throat> one. That's really awesome. Yeah. So, what had happened in the summer of 2013 is uh, Sue, which is the grandma, Sue was feeling um, very sick. She started to stay home more often. She was missing events. She wasn't going to church. She went to the doctor, and in early November 2013, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. So that's 
the tie-in that I didn't realize it when Claire was nominated, but that was her, her tie to this organization. Okay. Right? January 2014, she had a mastectomy to try to remove the cancer. She then started chemo, so from February to March of 2014, so about nine years ago, she was getting chemotherapy. Her hair was falling out, but she was beating this cancer. Wrong. Wrong. Okay. That's what it says. Okay. <laughs> and and Claire did a great job of writing this, mm-hmm. so I'm going I'm to try to read as much as I can, but she said Sue was getting chemotherapy. Her hair was falling out, but but that she was beating this cancer thing. Wrong. Wrong. By May of 2014, so it's now May of 2023, nine, nine years ago, okay. the chemo that they had been giving her the past several months had completely burnt her lungs. So it created a whole other issue. I call it collateral damage. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> she is now on a ventilator. She can't talk. She has a big tube down her throat. We brought her an iPad so that she could type out messages to us when she wanted. Mm. One day in the hospital, she started waving her hand, motioning that she wanted to type on the iPad. Sue was so weak when she would type that we would have to start guessing what she was typing because she wouldn't hit the right letters and it would be gibberish. Mm Mm-hmm. And she would get tired before she could finish. Gosh, how heartbreaking. Right? She started to write, it's W-O-N-D. It's wonderful. She shook her head, yes. And then she began to write, I'm free. As she's on her ventilator and exhausted? So she's typing. Yeah. I'm free. That was May of 2014. The next day, May the 17th, 2014, today is May the 20th. Right. May the 17th was the day the ventilator was being taken out. Oh. I think she knew that she was ready to go home to God. Oh, she passed? I thought that it was getting better. No. She wrote, I'm free. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they took the ventilator out. She would probably have a few minutes with us after the ventilator was removed to say goodbye. She spoke to all the grandkids. She gave them all heart, very heartfelt goodbyes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> surprisingly, she wanted them to sing to her. So they all started singing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is kind of funny. She's, she says, I do remember her telling us in her faint, hoarse voice, you sound horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing she never lost was her sense of humor. Yeah. Um, the decision was made to sing I Can Only Imagine. That's a really good song. So that's what they sang uh, That's a her. very good song. Sue Duran passed early the next morning, July, May the 18th. Um, it was a Sunday. So mom asked if we wanted to go to church. We didn't have to. We didn't want to. I said, again, I being Claire, um, Grandma would want us to go. Our, our church, like many others, started with a worship service, and the song they sang was... I can only imagine. <laughs> yep. So Sue said, I mean, I'm sorry, Claire said that's how she knew her grandma was there. Yeah. So 
That's really um, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Claire was on our board for almost two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Classic Homes has become more and more successful. Um, side benefit to these fires we talked about. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were there to help build Dave Wallery's house, cabin, yeah. out in Detroit. They picked up a lot of work. Probably wasn't the way they wanted the work. Right. But they got a lot of work from these houses that were destroyed out in Detroit. Mm-hmm. As they got busier and busier, Claire eventually has resigned from the board of directors, but is very much a very close person to the board of directors. Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't until I asked I asked Claire, can, can you, like, why is a 22-year-old girl getting involved with this Yeah, what's your why? And, mm-hmm. and that's your why. A powerful one yeah. at that. Yeah. That's the story about you. Well, that was a good one. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this show. Our sponsor is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. And if you guys are looking to sell your home, buy your home, not really sure where to start, she is the expert. So give her a call at 503 409 4389 and make sure you guys continue to pray for her as she is going through her own battle with breast cancer. So prayers, 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 please and thank you. And we'll be back next week as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.